Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. We will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I see people here that were there in the very beginning with me, and that means starting in 1972, I got, well, I'll backtrack a little, but I'm so happy, my little rat pack from way back, way back then. Wow. Anyway, um, I was born in Chicago, came out here with my mom and dad. I had a sister that was born and lived 10, 10 weeks. And then I have another sister seven and a half years later that was born. My mother had very premature children. My sister that passed away was very premature. And my sister that lived weighed a pound and a half and was born in my mother's sixth month. But we were just this tiny little family without any relatives here, came out here to find our, find our way. And I didn't grow up a fat child. I don't know when I crossed over the line. You know, I won't spend a lot of time on that because I honestly don't know when that happened. All I can tell you, I'll skip ahead to tell you that I started taking diet pills when I had very few pounds to lose because I was obsessed with looking good and being thin. And um, diet pills led me to every other drug that I ever took. And I did take drugs and I took anything that would kill my appetite if it's, you know, if it said poison, but you can't eat, I would try it. And um, so I didn't, I didn't, I controlled my weight by being a bulimic, by taking pills, by taking shots, by fasting, getting colonics, going to diet doctors, everything. So I didn't get to be very, very overweight, but I got to be very, very crazy. And in 1972, I keep sitting, seeing admit for people. In 1972, I was sitting in my apartment um, on Oakhurst and I looked in the mirror and I couldn't see myself at all. I was so out of touch with Linda. My life was so unmanageable behind food, drugs, alcohol, people, places and things, everything. And And I looked in that mirror and I remember saying, God help me. And I had a piece of paper with a number on it of a woman I had never heard of or been to. And the guy that had the number had never been to her either. But he had the number of somebody named Elizabeth Palms in West Hollywood. And I went to see her. And after seeing her a couple of times, she put me in her group. And in that group were people that were in OA and AA. I had never tried any of those programs. And I was taken to my first meeting, Crescent Heights and Olympia. Back in 1972, I sat down, I identified with the feelings, with the stories. I got a sponsor. Our lives were completely different. She was married with kids and I was very much into the Hollywood scene, but I loved this woman. And, you know, she was my first sponsor. I've had, I had a lot of other sponsors, but the truth is I came in and out of these rooms from 1972 to 1978. And during that time, I tried AA also and came in and out. And because I wasn't ready to admit to my innermost self that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable and that I had a problem. I did not want to have a problem, even though I knew I had one. So I came in and out, but the seed was planted. And I, 
I had wonderful people in my path all along the way that got me to the next place. You know, I, I think God puts people in front of us that we need to meet, whether it's for a day, a week, a month, a year, forever. And um, so in 1978, I was sitting in another apartment looking in the mirror saying, God help me. Two things I was not gonna do is drink or eat that day. And we went to the Mustache Cafe and uh, eating and drinking and going into the bathroom to get rid of it. And I saw a girl at the Mustache Cafe who was flitting around from table to table and looked like she was having fun. She's dead today, this girl. And I had a moment of clarity in the bathroom of the Mustache Cafe where it looked like I was having fun. And I knew on the inside, I was just gone. And no one ever, I always say this, but no one comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I bet you're dying on the inside because I can put on a good show. I can look good on the outside. I can pretend. Anyway, I got a sponsor. Um, she did not want to sponsor me at all. And she worked both AAOA at that time. And um, I asked a few people to be my sponsor and they were all busy. I said, all the winners are busy around here. And so I asked her and, and she was busy too, but and she did not want to sponsor me, but she said, yes, thank God. And that was the beginning of me making changes in my life. So in 1972, I came back to the rooms my absence began with no bulimia, no recreational sugar. And I started going to meetings, starting meetings. And, you know, in this room is Zan and Doreen and Claudette. And we were like the rat pack. I mean, we went, you know, if we could get the, the in those days, you could have four ounces of chicken or two pieces. So <clears throat> we would go to the restaurant that had the biggest two pieces. <clears throat> and we went, we found the restaurants and we went here and we went there and we hung out together and we went to meetings and we started meetings and and our lives got better and um I was one of those people though that had to try all the food programs because I thought it was about the food I thought if I went to this program and didn't have and took my scale every single place I went then I would be okay so I did that for a while and if I went to that program and I didn't have milk in my coffee or other things, then I would be okay. Or if I went to this program and did all these questions over and over and over again, and when I went there and when I did the questions and when I did it as it was written, it worked. But when I got to that place in my life where I was still going there, but not doing it the way it's written, it just wasn't working for me. So I finally came back to OA, I got a sponsor who, who was in the middle of the herd, who sponsors a lot of people, who has a sponsor, who started meetings, who was very involved, who was very direct, less time than me, but it didn't matter because I wanted, I wanted, I was more like on the outskirts. Like I have years, but the days, like I wasn't really, I was abstinent but I wasn't really participating in the way that this person told me, you know, you have a lot to offer, like get involved, go to meetings, sponsor people, you know? And so I did, and I have, and I got back into the book and I got back into the steps and I got back into the meetings. And, and now with Zoom, I have to say, I'm more involved than I was for years. I mean, sponsoring more, speaking more, 
putting my name saying I'm available more. And as a result, I can look in that mirror today and I can see myself and I can like that person looking back at me. And a lot has happened over these years, like it has for all of us. You know, one of my worst fears was because it was just me and my mom and dad and my sister, no relatives out here. One of my worst fears was, what am I going to do when I lose my parents? Well, how am I going to get through that? And eight you know minutes. how I got, how many minutes left? Eight. 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 That we just did eight. Oh, okay. So let me know when five is, is up. Um, so when my dad passed, he got to see me be clean and sober and abstinent. And, and my mother did too. My mother lived a lot longer than my dad. But the people that came to the funeral, the people that were the pallbearers, the people that showed up for me were the people in these rooms. And when I came to these rooms, my parents needed a lot of service and I did not want to be of service to anybody. And you, because you showed up for me in every which way, on the phone, in person, you taught me how to be of service to others. You taught me how to act, take contrary actions. You told me, you taught me how to do everything. I got to grow up in these rooms, um, you know, so that was one thing. And then in 1986, I was working for a guy that I knew socially and he got a job at Fox and he hired me and he was a screamer, he was a yeller, he was a nightmare. And so I went to see Chuck C, anyone could go to see him. And he lived in the ocean, he lived above the ocean. And he would say, if the ocean was scotch, there would never be enough. And I knew that if the ocean was food or there was just never enough, never enough attention, never enough stroke, strokes, never enough money, never enough of, any, of anything. And um, so he said, you go to, I talked to him about work and he said, you go to work for fun and for free. And I said, well, I go to work for a paycheck. And he said, well, for fun and for free is, is you're a worker among workers and you just, you, you know, you're not better than, you're not worse than, you be of service, you do a good job. So I started praying, dear God, I wish I could find a job where I could be of service, self-support. I've always been self-supporting, but I wanted to be better self-supporting. And I'm telling you the truth, within a few, not even long, I don't know how long it was, a few weeks, maybe, maybe it was a month or six weeks. I don't know. I went out to buy tennis shoes on my lunch hour. I was temping at Fox then. And um, I went out to buy tennis shoes and I ran into a guy on the escalator and he said you should call my wife and I wasn't going to even call her but it was raining it was like on a Friday on Sunday I called her she said you know I bought some things you might like them come over and see them so I went over and they were accessories nothing great at all but she said why don't you take them to work and see what happens and that started a business for me I'm at first I started with her items and then it branched into other things. Then I started approaching prop and wardrobe people that bought for shows. Then I'd go out with a friend to dinner. I would have sold something off of me, not a shirt, but like a piece of jewelry or I'd sell anything off of me. And my friend said, you should quit your job, your temporary job, and you should do this full time. And and I used to go on my lunch hour. My girlfriend was choreographing this show called Solid Gold. And I wasn't intimidated to talk to anyone or to approach anybody. And 
I would make more in five minutes than I made working nine to five. Nine to five in those days was $100 and five minutes was $100. So I quit my job and that was 1986 till now. And, you know, it's had its ups and downs. I got robbed a few times. And one of the things that happened when I got robbed, I remember running into somebody in the program. I said, I don't feel like working. What's the point? Everything's taken away. She said, just make three calls a day. And I'm here to tell you, and I swear to God, this is true. Those three calls led to 10 calls. And those calls always, I'm underlining, always led to something good, always. And I did that for many, many years. I would get the Hollywood Reporter and, and the Variety back in those days. And I'd look and see who was doing a show and I'd make cold calls. And, and I, it worked for me. It really, and I loved my business. I got to be of service. I got to be better self-supporting. I got to show up and be accountable. I got to do a lot of things. And, and it was wonderful. And like, like life, you know, in, so, oh, and I got married late in life. I really wanted to be Sadie Sadie. And this guy came along in AA that I met. And um, so we, we started dating and we were going to break up because it seemed like the right thing to do. And instead we got engaged and uh, <laughs> he came home with a ring. So I said, okay, we'll make it work. And it, it just wasn't the right marriage. I mean, we got married, it lasted a few years. It wasn't the right marriage. I didn't want to stay with someone like my parents did that were, they stayed together forever and they weren't very happy. I didn't want that. So that ended, but there was a silver lining that came out of it. And, you know, we can always look for the silver lining. Um, I bought my first condo from working hard and then I got my house when I got married and the marriage didn't last, but I had put the down payment for the house. So I got to keep my house and, and things happen for a reason. And I had to go through a major lawsuit a few years back. It was very traumatic. Um, but you know what? I went to Tampa. I didn't know anyone. I went to a meeting. I raised my hand. I asked, you know, I asked for help. I got a ride to the courthouse. I got a ride back. I got support. And I, I'm one. I'm someone that will always say, "Live your life out loud and ask for help," because there's always help from somebody. And you know, so I finally admitted to my innermost self many years ago that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable. I came to believe there was a power like this room right now is a power greater than myself. I learned how to turn my life and my will over. The difference between God's will and my will is my will is struggle, manipulation, forcing God's will. I do the footwork and I, it falls into place or it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I've had to learn, you know, I've really had to learn about acceptance and um, which I have learned. I am learning a lot about. I was in a relationship with someone or I thought I was in a relationship. He didn't really think he was in a relationship, but. Um, I learned a lot about acceptance in, in, in this relationship and it's still yeah. going on yeah, we minute, left, Linda. a minute. Sorry. Anyway, it's still going on. It's not exactly the way I would like it, but I can, the way it is, is okay with me for today. And all I can say is my absence is three meals a day living in between. I wear it like a loose garment. 
I stay involved. I stay in touch. I'm so happy to see my friends here and new people that I've met through the rooms and new sponsees. And all I can say is get a sponsor if you're new, go to meetings, ask for help, live your life out loud. We're all in this together. We're never all in the same place on the same day. So reach out, stay involved. And this is the best deal in town. It's not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. If it was for people that needed it only, I would hand it to people that really need it. But unless they want it, it doesn't work. So keep coming back and thanks for letting me share.